I was in the crowdfunding space. Nobody got micro donations and micro um, payments right with the dollar ever because it never made sense because you'd have to pay a 30 cent transaction fee or a 2.7% plus 30 cent. It's never going to work. And those people have now shot themselves in the foot, the cat's out of the bag, and it's just a matter of time for for adoption to happen. I, I really believe it. You're listening to this week's guest, Alon Gorin, who's talking about the crowdfunding space and its transition from a traditional model into cryptocurrency. We also get into big banking and regulation on this week's Stash My Crypto. Let's go. Well, hey there, crypto friends. Thanks again for joining me. Today on another episode of Stash My Crypto Podcast, I have my special guest here, Alan Gorin. Uh, welcome, Alan, to the channel, everybody. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that uh, a lot of times when you're out there busy, working, hustling around, sometimes it's hard to be able to continue to connect with everybody. And I really appreciate your time today coming on uh, and all the work that you've been doing here recently in the space. Uh, no, so- I, yeah, no, I, I, sorry to interrupt. I just love, you know, I, I think that guys like you who are showing up to the events and putting on these shows and doing things like that for us, you're, you're part of what makes our event super unique and special. So like, I, I love it and I'm uh, a bit of a ham anyway, so I'd love to be on any time. Perfect. Well, Hey, you know, why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what kind of motivates you to be in crypto and you know kind of how you, you you decided that this was something you wanted to explore and then we'll kind of go into some of the really cool things that you are doing right now in the space sure so i've been you know a nerd in the online uh, using the word online space kind of loosely because when i was a you know elementary school junior high age i'd be looking over my brother's shoulder we'd be logging into bulletin board systems uh bbs's on people's computers and we'd be stoked back then when you could have like, when one person who had their own BBS had like two phone lines in their house and two modems, it means that that person could be online and the two people who called in. So meant three people online at the same time, mostly sharing, you know, illegal file sharing or just stupid crap, right? Um, And so so I I sort of grew up with that and then America Online and AOL and all that stuff and Usenet news groups and whatever. And, uh, our favorite things back in the day were hacking AOL because remember they used to force you. Um, I'm not sure if you're old enough. Yeah. Maybe they, they would only give you a certain number of hours online as yeah. part of the service. So we found ways of, of you know hacking AOL. Really, just you know. Uh, I got I got tossed from AOL cards and things. Well, we all got tossed many times. I, so. I mean, I got permanently banned. I, I got at a point where yeah, because I was like using those chat hacks and stuff like that where you know, kind of messing around with people and yeah, definitely was against their toss and, and they were yeah. like, you're done. Yeah, I remember my favorite, uh, one of the AOL hacking uh, programs was called AO Hell. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. and it had like, St- it had like, you know, Steve Case's face there was like fire around him. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember. And, and uh, you would always basically create fake accounts on AOL because right. back then, actually it's kind of funny, it goes back to some of the same themes in cryptos that back then when you swiped a credit card online or when you use a credit card number online, it would take them like a week to verify if it's yep. a real credit card. And so you'd have a fake account for like a week. You just put in fake credit card information. 
um, which, you know, maybe I shouldn't be saying on a public thing, but it's been 20 years. So. No, they're gone. No, they're yeah. AOLs on, are they still around? They're still around, right? I think yeah, they are. You know, Time Warner or something. I don't know. Um, but it was, it was good times. It was really, really neat. And so I was doing that while I was growing up and, um, and, uh, my first real job in tech while I was going to school. I don't know, you know, I was sort of, I went to school for business. My brother, who was the other computer nerd, went to school for computer science and he uh, was being begged to quit school to work more hours. So I thought I was being smart to go to school for business, which I kind of regret now because I don't think I really learned anything, uh, mostly because I was a bad student, to be honest, than than them not teaching much. But right. you, you kind of, that's a, a, a space where you learn by doing more than reading a textbook yeah, but anyway definitely. my first my first real job was at myspace and this is actually by by foray into into crypto in a way is while i was at myspace our big claim to fame that one year was that um or one of the years i was there was that on farmville um uh uh farmville sold more digital john deere tractors that year than john deere sold yeah. real tractors in real life Wow, that's and pretty cool. I remember actually. looking at that and and being a part of the open social team, which was like the team that let you um, uh, play games across all of the social networks, not yeah. just MySpace. Those kind of co-sponsored by Google. Um, uh, I was like, why can't we use this for online fundraising? Mm-hmm. And one of like I, I have a, a deck from my previous company invested in that showed like MySpace, this awesome opportunity. And then like, hey, there's this thing called Twitter that's kind of cool too, and this thing called Facebook that's like even smaller, but like it might be something one day. Right. And so <laughs> we called it uh, social fundraising because it was before the word crowdfunding existed, mm-hmm. and it was sort of a cross between what you can do on Kickstarter and Indiegogo now and. Um, actual fundraising for startups. We yeah. instantly realized that we were breaking the law by um, launching these platforms. And uh, I was super offended by it, but but changed it because the lawyers told me I wasn't going to get a fine or get in trouble. I was going to go to jail if I kept doing it. So we stopped. Um, wow. And and um, that uh, back then was actually when I met um, the Drapers and a lot of the people who are in the crypto space now because um, Boost, uh, Adam Draper's accelerator was actually called Boost Funder back then. Okay, and it was yeah. an online fundraising portal that was ahead of its time and um, also was kind of skirting the regulations and quickly was, um, well, it ended up getting shelved because Adam decided to launch Boost, the accelerator. Yeah. So we, we actually powered that website. So I met them back then um, and they were, you know, 100%. Uh, they were starting behind the scenes to get into crypto and actually my partner and i had built mining rigs in our office to mine some litecoin back in 2012 um 2012 i think um i'll look it up i have a screenshot somewhere of my actual amazon order as proof because that's awesome i was i was so stoked when charlie lee joined uh as one of the um keynotes at cis that i I looked through my records and found the like confirmation email that I bought. Like it was like a box fan and like, you know, four uh, graphics cards. You got to get that on the screen at the event, man. That'll be great. You know what? I should, I should. It it was, it's really cool. So, so I got into the space kind of like just goofing around back then. I had a company that was in the crowdfunding world. And when all the ICO craziness started happening, one of the things I had done was start a conference called Crowd Invest Summit. Mm-hmm. And I was going full time into crypto um, beginning of around 2017 and not just goofing around. 
And um, I wanted the conference to get in the crypto space. So we kind of decided leading up the conference, we'll do like half crypto talk, half crowdfunding talk. It's kind of converging anyway. And like by the time the conference actually happened, it was like full on crypto. So right. we rebranded to uh, Crypto Invest Summit, which since we've sort of halfway rebranded again to CIS. CIS, shorten it, yeah. Yeah, mostly because that's what everyone called it anyway. And right. then also because there's like the focus on the enterprise blockchain stuff and the builders tracks and all that. And so it's like there's much more of a development focus and an enterprise focus. So, so, so yeah, I mean, that's me as fast as I can going through it. But, you know, along the way, did all sorts of fun stuff in crypto space, helped start a fund, um, started to do some kind of investing and stuff like that. Uh, on our own, Joseph and I, which is why actually getting to, to the summit now, you, you had mentioned earlier, you know, our our sort of, uh, before we got on the, on the video, so I don't confuse anyone, but um, the, uh, the sort of focus on the community and all that. And for us, the conference never was, because in the crowdfunding space, it was never a moneymaker. It never really made money for us. It was mm -hmm. always a platform for us to do the things we really wanted to do and what right. we were passionate about. So, which is why we, we partner with all of the media partners and we do all this stuff to build what we feel is a really epic conference that's focused 100% on, uh, on adoption. And we're only worried really about covering our costs. And we know that like long-term we'll find a place for ourselves and we have, you know, over the years. So, so um, that's, that's, you know, my story. <laughs> So originally, your, your original inspiration for doing this event really came from the crowdfunding scene, and but then quickly making a pivot as you were getting more and more into cryptocurrency and deciding that that was really the direction that what you were most interested you wanted to go with, right? I mean, that, that's a pretty hard pivot to make so quickly, right? Well, it is and it isn't because the crowdfunding space, so there's kind of two sides to it. I had a, a pretty decent following in the crowdfunding space because uh -huh. I was the dude that got up on stage sitting next to like somebody from the SEC or sitting next to some lobbyist and basically saying like, fuck this, this is totally un-American, this is not okay. Yeah. I understand that the Jobs Act is a step in the right direction. And I love that people who aren't accredited investors are allowed to participate. But because there's limitations, because a small startup has to now do audited financials and all these things that are crippling to a startup, yeah. um, still doesn't feel fair. It feels better but it's still not what I feel is fair. So when ICOs came in, on one hand, it was, it's crazy, the Wild West. Everyone was crowdfunding, sort of in the way that I was, yes, sort of in the way, and I'm on the right podcast for it. I should have grown a mustache. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, the, um, oh dude, the other day I had, I had actually shaved after like months and I had the most ridiculous looking mustache. I oh, next time. Well, we'll have to plan it. No we'll plan it out next time and then yeah, we'll, we'll get yours to be sure. just like mine. Um, that'd be awesome. I don't think I could ever get it like yours, but I could do the full, like the handlebar thing going. Nice. Um, but, uh, uh, the, um, so although it was the wild west, what I would have hoped with, with governments intervening would be only to intervene when people are obviously, um, scams you know, and, and things like that versus this like, hey, they didn't comply with regulation, so we need to do X, Y, Z. Um, you know, I think people who do dishonest things and, and who screw people should go to jail. But I also don't think that there needs to be special regulation because the crowd will find those people on their own and, mm -hmm. and help enforce it. And I think that crypto can actually, um, in many ways, actually help that. So that's sort of my idealistic standpoint was like, hey, we're crowdfunding that. 
right? Like that's what an ICO really is. Right, right? of course, yeah. It's crowdfunding and, and so that we li I like that part of it. Now on the other side, all of the things that I was partly forced to learn in the crowdfunding space because I, we powered like 50 something different platforms and most of them were not the Kickstarter style. What we, were special, what we specialized in was the online investment side of things. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it would be a fund that wanted to use that technology to raise money privately online, use all the tools. We had to build something specific for that. Sometimes it was kind of like the boost funder style that, that I mentioned, which is kind of like what AngelList has turned into today. Like yeah. you can invest, but you must be an accredited investor. You can see the details of the deal, but you can't actually see certain specific details unless you have self-declared yourself as an accredited investment investor. And then once you click to invest, you can only actually invest once you verify that you're an accredited investor. <laughs> so all these things that I- A lot of hoops. A lot of hoops I was forced to learn. And what was kind of maddening to us was that if you ask like five lawyers, they give you 10 different answers. So there was no, no standardizing. <laughs> you know, if you launch 10 platforms that were under the same regulations for 10 different clients, they, their lawyers would still tell you to do it 10 different ways. Yeah. Um, so I had to learn about Reg A+, Reg CF, Reg D, 506C offerings, all of these things that, that, that are, they, they sound kind of nuts. And when you start mapping them out, they all have their differences. I had to learn all that stuff because the crowdfunding world, and now that the ICO you know, world is shifting towards the security tokens, uh, shifting towards, okay, we're going to be regulated. Even the ones I got the slaps on the wrist where they had to return some of the money. Yeah, and doing yeah. kind of, I have to now comply with the crowdfunding rules and have to comply. And, and crowdfunding rules are sort of now a different version of going public because going public the standard way costs hundreds of millions of dollars. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make right? sense anymore. It's, it's antiquated, very antiquated. So, yeah. So, so the, the reg a plus cause reg a is going public reg a plus is like the lighter version of going public is becoming potentially a better option where all these crypto people in the security token space and the digital security space or the smart security space, whichever term du jour you're using today, um, they all use those regulations and mm -hmm. all of the service providers, all the people, my, my friends from the crowdfunding world and us know more than we ever wanted to know about it and are sort of like the people who are uniquely focused. So like if you see some of the bigger companies in the space, like Prime Trust is one of the uh, main trust companies in crypto space and now in the security token space, they we've known for 10 years from the crowdfunding space, right? right? Like Dor Law, who's the head of issuance at T0, and who was the founder of Verify Investor, was a securities attorney in the crowdfunding space who launched Verify Investor for crowdfunding, right? So like all of these people, all these things are converging. And so in one, on one hand, it feels very different because it was like this old kind of stuffy world kind of coming into the new world. Yeah. Um, but it, it, there are these, um, it, it is converging in a, in a more gelled way than, than, than most outsider, outsiders would think. But, but yeah, it's like there's two, there's two sides to it, right? Like there's like this super open side that, that, that wants to fight against it. And then there's a super regulated side that goes like, why don't we use their technology on the open side to make our side more, you know, easier to use. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I always bounce between the two because, um, you know, like Total, um, who, who I think you, you guys know well too, um, it's one of my favorite companies and. David Blesnack and I always joke. I actually started a, a security token podcast called Security Tokens Uncensored. His yeah. first response, his literally instant response, which made me so jealous I hadn't thought of it already, 
He said, oh, security tokens uncensored. Isn't that just a utility token? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, right? So, so I, I always, yeah, I always argue with him and, and we, we, uh, he can give it as well as he can take it. So it, we have yeah. a lot of fun. But like, ideally, really, that, that's my world. Like, that's where I wish it could be. But I also have this realistic and pragmatic side to me going like, we do live in the United States. I've got kids. I'm not going to jail for, for, for breaking these rules. It doesn't make sense for anyone to go to jail breaking these rules if you're based in the United States. Mm-hmm. The beauty of technology is that hopefully we can use technology to streamline that process as much as humanly possible. And that's why I like the, the security token space. If you use right. it right and you use it well, we can hopefully take these you know, uh, maybe I'm being a little bit, uh, you know, um, you know, nuts and going overboard by calling them oppressive rules, but they, they're these sort of oppressive rules. I and agree. Them work for us. No, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that these rules that, that, that they are trying to force this new technology in ways that uh, are, are coming out so quickly, they're trying to force it into these old boxes. And these yeah. old boxes, they just don't really fit right. And they're like, well, we're going to cram it in here anyways, because it's got to be regulated, because if we don't get any kind of control over it, then, you know, we, then all hell is going to break loose is essentially how they kind of, you know, define it. And I, yeah. I think you're right. I think that we're kind of, st- uh, most people are in the same exact area that you're in right now, where they, they understand what ideally it should be and they see kind of like what it was when it first exploded right and then they started saying oh wait wait this is not how it should be and then seeing like okay well here's the box that now they've kind of fit us into it doesn't really fit that right it's like it's like a square box we're trying to put our sweet ass triangle hole uh, you know peg into it and you just you're shaving off the corners and so i think some of that that the, the corners that you're shaving off there to fit in that box are some of the more unique and forward-thinking aspects of of that new kind of crowdfunding way or or a way to 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 be able to raise funds for a startup without having to yeah go through tons and tons of red tape, and so I think once again I think it just comes down to control. I mean, do do you feel that really all this really does is come down to to having a a, a controlling body not wanting to lose control? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think uh, uh, I'm. I'm like, uh, I, I know I told you before we talked, but I, I'm like a, a punk rocker, right? I grew up uh, listening to, to all this stuff and I'm very anti-authority for the most part, right? right? And, and, uh, and, you know, I can't, it, it really, really bugs me. I'm like, uh, on one side, I'm not, I'm not full on like anarchist, you know, like, 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 like a lot of the people in our space which I can understand that world uh, a lot too, but I am 100%, like I can't stand politicians on, on either side of the aisle. I think they're mostly just politicians. They're just, right. you know, glorified version of a criminal um, for, for the most part. Like I just think that there's so much bureaucracy and so much um, red tape everywhere that, that nothing really gets done. And, and so I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of all of that. Um, I do think, uh, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I'm not sure because I don't think any of them are organized and smart enough for it to be like this full-on conspiracy. Um, <laughs> it's a bumbling conspiracy. It's like a, it's like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? I don't know. Just just put them here. But I do know that the people who pay for all the politicians on either side of the aisle and who are paying for, you know, the same people pay pay the winners and the losers just because they hope they, they you know, because they know one of them will because we only have two parties in this right. country. Right, it's like betting on black and red at the same time. Exactly, like, 
like and and but except for when if you win both ways right like yeah. <laughs> there isn't the 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 whatever two percent chance or whatever the percentage yeah chance you hit, hit green double there zero double zero there's no <laughs> chance we're gonna hit you know the green yeah green we're not gonna hit the green party um so uh so there's no chance of that uh at least anytime soon and we don't see it happening and so guess who those people are they're the the people who can afford it, right? They're the biggest banks yeah. and the established people in the world who are, who are you know, um, who have benefit from it. So they, if, if Bitcoin wins, they lose 1000%, right? I do believe in the security token space. There is a, uh, there is this way of looking at it because what I'm thinking with the security token space and it's where my evolution is going. So maybe me a year ago would hate myself for saying this and maybe me a year from now would say like, what the fuck was I thinking? Or maybe, <laughs> I'll, be, maybe I'll think I was a genius. But right. I do think there is a way to incentivize the current system and sort of force them in to a transparent system that forces them to play fair, yeah. which then will create people who are playing better terms, sort of like, original unions right when mm -hmm. unions came about they made they did things that were really really good right people were, were really really hurting people and not providing them health care not providing anything and now we got to this place where like certain big companies they're not a part of unions because they actually provide better benefits than any unions would and then unions have gotten bureaucratic and people right. can argue with them that it's like now they're creating they're they're kind of screwing themselves right so i think that banks got are, are way past that point and i'm thinking that imagine so this thing that we talk about with the onera foundation and this onera concept that i'm a part of mm -hmm. is that if banks are there to enforce the regulations and let's say verify that that shay is shay right and that the, you know um the crypto stash podcast is the crypto stash podcast and they do the things like the kyc and the aml that um all and they're the nodes in this new system that verify this stuff um, and they bring deals to the table, but they continue to run those nodes to verify those deals and to make sure that everything's kosher, that I think it can create these open opportunities where regulation sits in these different silos where everyone around the world can participate and the regulations are enforced by the system mm -hmm. instead of the system having to comply with them. I think that what can happen is that those, those, uh, those nodes, which are the financial institutions, will be forced to play ball with every other financial institution on a playing field that is transparent and honest and, and immutable. So imagine if uh, Wells Fargo, for example, opening up all these bank accounts on behalf of their clients that they didn't even know they were opening to basically, you know, uh, do all these things. If that was happening in real time on the blockchain, people can verify that. And it was, and it was, it is their responsibility to enforce that. But when outside um, people can can vet that and regulate that. Now it goes like, what happens if you decide to start your own bank with the same exact terms and everything, but you have a spotless spot rec you know, track record and you can offer the same services, which are the same services because now we can see it on a level playing field. Mm -hmm. They're better, cheaper, you know, um, people will go to you. And if you bring better quality deals to the table, then you will actually be that, that center of attention versus the Goldman Sachs of the world, and those people who can bring it to people who give them hundreds of millions of dollars, but don't actually bring quality deals to the people who, who can only afford $10,000. Right. So, I mean, I, I definitely, I, I, I see value in that, but the thing, the same thing that I, that I get worried about is I get worried about in some of these other systems that we see is that 
you still have the same gatekeepers wanting to keep control over these systems and therefore keeping it fairly centralized, whereas maybe you, you, there's more opportunity for, for an upstart or, or somebody who who's, wants to create their own node bank, as it were. Uh, you're still going to be fighting an uphill battle to be able to do that when you have these other companies that have been made these gatekeepers and established uh, themselves already because they've already been uh, very well established and have the means to do it. Uh, and so creating a system that makes it harder really for anybody who doesn't already have those means to get in and be a part of that system. Yeah, I think the the challenge will be creating a low enough hurdle to allow anyone who's serious to get in, but also complying, complies right. with the regulations, right? Because right. like there is, um, so, so like that, that's the problem, right? Because there's even like it, in our country, there's these weird things that credit unions can do that mm -hmm. banks can't do, but credit unions are, can only be issued a charter if they can tell people what, what their specialty is. Right. So there's credit union, for example, that I, I just happen to know very well that's next to where I live, that's called CBC. They're for the CBs. The CBs are like a, a branch of, I think, the Navy, right? Which is one of, the, um, one, of the, one of the bases out here next to where I live. And you can only be a member of that credit union if you live in that one county and you're a part of the CBs or you have like a direct family member, like a yeah. brother, a sister, I don't even know the exact ones. I'm just kind of making it up, but it's like a very, very direct one. So they only really have a market that they can address. That's like a few million people, right? Yeah. Because it's people that live in the area and like an expanded family tree of their, of their family. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But like they're allowed to do certain things that like Wells Fargo can't do. Yeah. And like, yeah. it's kind of insane that they can't offer those same products to everyone. Right. Like, right. If, you know, um, I don't know if you ever got, I, I remember I got a loan once from uh, PenFed, Pentagon Federal Credit Union. I had to join a nonprofit organization by donating $10 before I could get that loan to the organization. And now because I've it, it, given $10 to this organization, I can now get the like the below market rate, you know, car loan. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a part of a credit union. It, it was a Long Beach Schools credit union. So if oh, you, okay. you were a teacher or you went to school in Long Beach, you could get an account there. And they've, I think they've since like expanded it somehow. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in general, it, it's the same kind of uh, limitations. Yeah, so people have found ways using the internet. Pen, uh, uh, reason I use PenFed, the Pentagon one, is because they found this this weird loophole where they went like, "Wait, we can use the internet now to market." It's not just like marketing to the people that work in the Pentagon or that like you know our military service. We yeah. can actually go online, run ads, and then just say, "Oh, sorry, this loan is only for friends of of the Pentagon organization or whatever it is." Right. But you can become a part of that organization with like a low, you know. Uh, a donation of only ten dollars, you know, and and they found they found ways to skirt the system, and that's right. kind of a, a thing we're figuring out now, right? Like um, everyone incorporates their companies in Delaware. Well, what happens with this Wyoming stuff? Maybe we're all just going to incorporate in Wyoming. Going to or, Wyoming, man, or, or or globally. Let's go global now. Yeah. People are, are going towards um, you know a step beyond even Puerto Rico, and like every fund, for example, in the United States. Not every fund. Most funds in the United States before crypto ever existed, had a Cayman Islands entity right. because it was the easiest way to take money from other countries into your fund. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, they, they create these crazy unique structures where the only people that really win are lawyers and, uh, and, um, and they do it. So we're going to start doing stuff like that. Like if we can create this Onera concept 
but everyone can become a digital citizen of another country to transact yeah. that, then that's what they'll do. It makes no sense. It's stupid, but it's what we're going to have to do because the government won't move fast enough uh, for us to do that. Um, so, so we'll we'll see. I, I think you're right, though. We we do. There is going to be this give and take, and if we allow, you know, too much uh, taking a node, they're going to take certain. They're going to try, but but it'll be up to the people who, you know, hopefully it's decentralized enough, and hopefully you know the gatekeepers of the whole system can go. This is transparent, and then it's a marketing way. Yes, Wells Fargo will have will be at right now able to market to consumers better, if not for anything other than familiarity right like yeah from the marketing value people are stupid they go towards the most more familiar uh product almost every time regardless of what the product is and they go for the cheaper product yeah. and the most uh, seamless product doesn't mean it's the best product because we all can agree that there are you know that that bitcoin that we believe you know bitcoin might be better than a lot of things like you know me sending bitcoin to a cousin on the other side of the world is significantly better at least process for me than going onto my Wells Fargo account, jumping through those hoops, paying the $50 plus transaction fees and sending money right, and then having right. special paperwork because it's international and all this stuff. I, I, we can all agree that's a better product, but try convincing, you know, our parents to, to trust that right now. Well, right. And, and I think that's, that, that's the big point is it, it, you know, right now things are still bulky. So it's like using, like we were talking about, it's like using the internet in the AOL days or even pre AOL days where it just didn't work. I mean, it worked people, some people were using it, but the majority of people were not, but then something like AOL kind of catapults that and allows lots of other people to use it in a way that's pretty easy. I mean, everywhere you went, those damn CDs, wherever I started using them as Frisbees and stuff, chucking them off the roof of my house. Oh, but dude, before the CDs, the, the, the awesome thing was to hit that contact form requesting a new version of AOL like 8,000 times yeah. and you literally get like a thousand free discs in your house and then you put a sticker over the thing that uh, that that made it not writable yeah and then you could use it uh, for 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 everything you want to right do. you just have so unlimited 3.5 inch discs right. <laughs> yeah, you know making money like 50 cents at a time right. um, but uh, but, so, but yeah I, I think we're gonna get there I, I, but, you know, I, I just don't want to get there and sacrifice too much. And I think that's where we see a lot of people like, oh, I can't wait till institutional money gets into it. I can't wait till all these things. I'm like, well, the thing is that they want to get into it when they do. You know, it's all about control for them. They want to be able to maintain that same control that they've been able to have over these last couple hundred years. And so they start they see, OK, well, it's, it's like the same thing. It's betting on black and red at the same time. Well, we yeah. may not really believe in crypto necessarily, but we're going to bet on it and put money into it because if it does hit, it, then we want to make sure we have the control and we don't want a system running away without us where we don't have that control anymore because then we lose our long-term grip on on this mass amount of people that we've been sucking dry for hundreds of years already and you know i, I think that w cryptocurrency and blockchain technology give us the ability to get away from that or at least give us a second option where we've never had a second option before where we've always been kind of beholden to these major centralized powers and so i think it really just comes down to education you're right most people are going to go for familiar pot products so if they if you know comes out and there's western union coin or or wells fargo coin and people can kind of buy and sell through the bank, but then they're going to give up, you know, what holding of their own private keys or still having to pay some sort of absorbent transaction fees. You know, hopefully at least what we're doing here, you know, gives people an alternative. But it, well, you're right. But it also 
pushes these people to create systems that are fair, more transparent, and you know maybe cut more of the middleman out. But you know it won't. They won't cut the middleman out completely because they need that middleman to make as much profit off of us as they can. So I'm 1000% with you. And, and my thoughts, so here's my thoughts on it. And I, and I hope I'm right as well, because I don't, I think the cat's out of the bag. And I think that it's just a matter of time. And we, you talked about, you know, going from the, the those bulletin board systems to AOL, right? Yeah. And now we went from AOL to, uh, to eBay. And right, Amazon right, exactly. And all that stuff. Do you remember buying something on eBay? The process was horrible. PayPal only exists because so many people lost money. I lost money buying yeah. shit on eBay that never came in, right? Yeah. So, so, um, uh, and, and I was, you know, one of the, those first people who did that because I, right, right, I wanted right. to trust it and I wanted to believe. Right. So I think that, that we are going, the cat's out of the bag. You can't turn it around. I don't think Bitcoin is going to go anywhere. I'm looking at these institutions as for, sort of like the gateway drug. And like, I, I talked about punk rock and everybody likes to be an elitist and be like, you fucking like Blink-182, man, like Green Day is your favorite band or whatever. But go around and ask a bunch of, you know, and, and I don't know if you're, you're into punk rock or what kind Dude, of Dude, I, I, I came from the same world. I promoted punk rock shows. That's one of the first things I was doing when I first started doing event production was, and I was in a punk rock band. Like, so trust me, I, I 100% get it. So you get that there's always the one friend and probably most of us back then too, and we're like a bunch of teenagers and, and high school kids going like, going like, you know, what a, what a loser. He's like, you know, what a poser, right? Like all these people like this band, right? But then if you ask around honestly, what, what was most of the people's first favorite band, they'd be like, oh yeah, I heard that Green Day song or I heard that Blink-182 song or my mom got me this Blink-182 CD and I looked inside of it and I saw the flyers for the other bands. And I was like, what's Operation Ivy? Right. I'm gonna go look them up. And then yeah. it's like, oh, then I, I saw Rancid. Oh no, but they're kind of sellouts now. But then like, you know, they, they all have these these avenues, right? So I, I think that all of this stuff, this JP Morgan coin, I think you have to look at this crap and it is not, and we can argue all day long. Well, it's not really an argument because we all know it's not actually crypto. It's yeah. not Bitcoin, it's nothing like it. And, and so, you know, and that's fine. It, it's not going to be what we want it to be, but if it gets, uh, uh, you know, if it gets millions and millions of more people into the space and comfortable with this idea of a new sort of digital version of banking that's beyond the, the online banking, you know, all of these banks have done a great service for us in the years, um, in the in the recent years, um, by taking money and finally, I mean, everywhere internationally, it, it was faster than in the U.S., but we went from cash to almost using no cash to like, you know, debit cards to now most people having, you know, uh, uh, Apple pay and all that on their phones and, and not actually needing the paper money anymore and feeling like everything is as digital as possible, yeah. even if it's not truly. Um, so now I think the next logical step, especially with, with how we're dealing with everything online is going to be, these new systems and as people especially in other countries it's marginally better than what we do here in the united states but it's like orders of mag magnitude better in other countries so excuse me um so like scent for example um you know like being able to post content and get little tips and put like i put a, up on scent give me uh i put a five dollar bounty on giving me ideas for speakers on the development track for Ethereum, right? Mm -hmm. And then 30 people responded and they all got a piece of that five bucks that I put up there. That's a cool system and that's yeah. happening with crypto. 
and those micro donations and micro rewards. I was in the crowdfunding space. Nobody got micro donations and micro um, payments right with the dollar ever because it never made sense because you'd have to pay a 30 cent transaction fee or a 2.7% plus 30 cent. It's never going to work. And those people have now shot themselves in the foot, the cat's out of the bag, and it's just a matter of time for for adoption to happen. I, I really believe it. And so, you know, going, you know, transitioning from the from the banking side of the uh, security token stuff, that's a that's a different thing. Those are investment opportunities, like bonds and stocks and whatever. Fine, like we're we're stuck with that. But like once all of us start transacting in crypto, they're not going to be able to control millions of people's few hundred dollar transactions. That's the thing is that they are okay with it when it comes to taxes in the United States and those those securities and things like that. They are talking about the average person transacting in the thousands and thousands of dollars. But most of our everyday transactions are much less. And most people, you know, don't make a lot of money, you know, around the world. So like all of these micro things, can you imagine the IRS trying to like go through a ledger of billions and billions of transactions that are all under a dollar and trying to attribute who they belong to and what coffee, they belong to coffee yeah. coffee yeah, coffee exactly. coffee coffee <laughs> think about this like i i go to i go to starbucks it's like this guilty pleasure that i have and every time my 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 app goes below like a 15 dollar like window it charges my bank account 25 bucks and then it refills the thing and like yeah. every morning i end up going to starbucks and sometimes i drop in there a second time and get more right so like I look at my bank at the end of the day and it's like, it literally has like, like at the end of the month, like way too many of these $25 Starbucks charges, but they've like consolidated that into like one charge refill every time. But imagine if that was just my bank account, yeah. it was two bucks every single time and every other thing. And it's mixed up with everybody else's stuff. I just, you know, it, it is going to become, I mean, it's, it's um, even, uh, I've been diving into Litecoin a lot lately. They're they're researching all of the um, anonymous stuff, and they're they're doing all of that. I think it's just a matter of time till adoption and the cat's out of the bag, and it will actually end up forcing governments to be more fair. I think mm-hmm. that all these arguments people have been making about um, you know uh, fixing the way taxes work in the United States and having them be more flat and having them be less paperwork and having less bureaucracy and all that, all that stuff is going to, they're just going to have to force it to be better. And governments are going to be forced to be better because of this stuff. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I'm really, really scared of anyone having too much power, but I think the cat's out of the bag. They've, they're, they're losing it and their, their chance to be relevant is only adopting it and being fair. Because if they adopt it and they're still a bunch of a-holes, people will see through it. And then within a very short period of time, they're going to lose their customers. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. And I think that hopefully that's the direction that we're heading. And, you know, we as a as a community, you know, we can work together to keep pushing for those types of things, keep creating technology that's going to foster that that thought and that development and pushing people in that direction. And so, you know, hopefully not ultimately corrupting it or, or giving them the tools to ultimately corrupt what we've been doing here in the community in the first place. And people like yourselves have been, you know, creating these great conferences that people go to and, and, and it creates great networking opportunities where more and more projects can get together. And, you know, you, you get the consumer there as well and, and they get to see all these things. And so, 
um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's you, you make a really important point there. And I just hope for the future. I think we both are in the same boat, really hoping for the best future. And we're both working, you know, in our own different ways to try and make that happen. Right. Um, yeah, I love it. Why, why don't you, you know, before we close out here, why don't you tell me, uh, g- give me just a quick rundown of, of this year's uh, CIS and what you have going on real quick. And then, so, uh, you know, so, so the re- readers can, can understand, you know, what, what you're trying to create here in, in, in the community. Love it. So, yeah, so um, we, we have uh, this year we added the Security Token Summit, the one day event. Um, it's separate. It's a separate company. It's a separate thing, but really, it's mm-hmm. it's the day before CIS. It's at the Ritz Carlton Hotel in downtown LA, which is across the street from the convention center where we hold CIS. And it's this really hyper focused event, just focused on security tokens. Um, that's securitytokensummit.com. That's April eighth, and then that night will be the opening party for CIS, and then April 9th and tenth will be CIS, just like we've been having it at the LA convention center. Um, we have a huge expo floor of companies. We have um, uh, a big main stage with a bunch of keynote speakers. Guys like like Charlie Lee are going to be there. Um, you're going to be there uh, uh, covering it. And, and if you want, um, oh, I didn't even tell people about this yet. But uh, if you're there, you got to do this. The stage on the expo floor, we're trying to come up with cool things to do on it. And instead of only having like one pitching company after one pitching company, which yeah. is kind of boring and not as fun and um, all that. What we're going to do is we're going to have pitching companies on that stage, but in between blocks of the pitching companies, we're going to ask people to do live versions of their podcast up on stage. They can pick somebody to interview or they could be up there themselves. They got like a panel, whatever we record it anyway. We videotape it anyway. Yeah. Like why not do this? And then of course, uh, what, what we do differently as well, um, from most other conferences, we have a whole section of our expo floor that we give for free to media partners like you to actually set up shop, do your podcast live, do whatever you need to do. And that way we have, we have some, somewhere around 40 media partners that do these kind of things. And the whole point is let's create a ton of awesome content and get more adoption in the space. So, um, so I hope you join us for that too. Um, we're, we're gonna figure out some really cool stuff and we're always welcome to suggestions. The website for that is cis.la. We also made a pledge this year that the most expensive ticket for the whole conference ever will be $500. And that's like the last minute you waited till the day before. Why are you being a jackass? So, and we uh, also um, always give all the media partners discount codes. So um, you will, there will be a crypto stash discount code, which may already have been created. I just should have done my homework and looked it up before the, this thing. But, um, but we'll have it in the content below and we'll share it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that, that's kind of the whole point of this whole thing. We're, 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 we did it twice last year. We're hoping to do it twice again this year. And instead of traveling the conference around the world, we just decided we're going to be the biggest conference in L.A. Mm-hmm. So um, CIS.LA, we're going to, you know, we had over 6,000 people there last time. The market's changed, but we hope to have around the same this time also. Um, and uh, and yeah, so um, hope, hope, hope you all join us. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Well, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I'm excited about it. I, I'm going to be there and I would love to be able to do a live podcast there. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And hopefully everyone listening uh, checks it out and will join us there. I am definitely going to, I post about it on my website quite often in the, the discount code, but I'm also be giving away for some free tickets closer to the event. Yeah. So yeah, if you guys are interested... Yeah, Keep, stick around for that's that. That's why you must subscribe to this video. Subscribe and follow uh, and follow Crypto Stash so that you 
find out when we do the giveaways as well. Yep. Because we always, we never want to hear that money is the reason you didn't come to the conference because that's kind of the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, we, the whole, you know, we, we're, we're hoping we, we, we destroy those, those barriers. And, and so please let us know. And of course, if you're a student, um, you're military, or you belong to certain groups, check out or have them contact us because we give free tickets to all those groups as well. If you are awesome. a student, you show us your student ideas, your EDU email address, you'll get a free ticket also. We do not, like I said, we don't want money to be the reason you don't show up because um, what, like, like I said, what's the point? If, if yeah, no, I, I think <laughs> that's great what you guys are doing and uh, I'm always gonna be a big supporter. So, uh, hey, once again, uh, Alan, thank you for being here on my uh, podcast, Dash My Crypto. Really appreciate your time. Uh, I think that's all for us that we have today, but uh, until next time, folks, stash that crypto, friends. <laughs>